And I am very thankful that you are thankful to have me as messed up as I am. I'm a saint that is um, still figuring it out, still messing up, and uh, I totally understand that. We're going to deal with the fact that things have not changed much. Have you ever sat and listened to somebody who always says, boy, I wish things could be like they used to be? Do you realize that every generation before you said the same thing? I mean, every generation before you said when they saw you growing up, right? I mean, what amazes me, though, is how the mullet made it back right? That will tell you just how messed up we really are because we don't learn from history. How many of you in this room, including me, had a mullet at one time in your life? Just go ahead. That's right. If y'all would next week, bring the pics and we'll just kind of put them up just for a little bit of time. So Eric, did you ever have a mullet? His son answered for him. As a matter of fact, yes, my father had a mullet. Yes, the wonderful joys of a mullet. Back when we thought all of our hair would never fall out, we let it grow. And now we wish we could grow it, and it's not happening. We look at every generation, we go, man, they're just getting worse. I I guarantee you, your parents and grandparents said the same thing about your generation. The truth is, we just keep repeating the folly. We just dress it up different. We just dress it up different. And every generation loses more and more people who are committed to Christ. That's been the biggest issue. It's not that we've learned new ways to sin. They were doing that back in Sodom and Gomorrah. The the issue that we have is that we don't have the godly men and women that we had in earlier generations. I mean, think about it. When you look at Israel, you could have one king that was godly. And then the very next king acted as though he didn't even know who God was. And every king would then affect what was happening within that generation because they looked at his leadership and that began something different. I think about in my time how we moved from someone like Ronald Reagan who tried to push us somewhat back to God to then someone like Bill Clinton who swore he didn't know what he did in the Oval Office. And then that became the common theme and then a new type of sexual nonsense started from that point because, hey, if our own leader, the the most important person in our country doesn't have to recognize his folly, why then should I? And what a mess, what a mess. Some of you are like, well, don't be political. I'm just telling you the truth. It wouldn't have mattered to me if one was Republican or Democrat. I'm just telling you that the people that sit in that Oval Office do make a difference. They do matter. Because we look at them and generations look at them and then they they mimic what they see. Lord, help us in the last few.
The question today is, have you received God's gift? Has the youngest generation received God's gift? Or have they learned from the generation before them? You see, a gift is something that is given, not earned, right? If you earn it, then that's payment. God did not pay you his son. He gave you his son, okay? So he is a gift, unearned. We are not worthy of Christ, and yet we were given Christ. So the question is, have you received God's gift, or are you still trying to do it on your own? And we're going to discuss that this morning. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, and let's stand together. This is a reading of God's word, and we're going to read it together. It's a lot, but we're going to get through it. Genesis chapter 3 gives us the fall of mankind. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it or eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. By the way, if anybody would know what happens when you sin, it ought to be Satan, right? He was the original one that was cast out of heaven along with a whole host of others. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die, for God knows that, one, that on that day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will become like God. Folks, that was death. They just didn't realize it. They didn't understand it because at that moment, they finally began to see the other side of life that God never intended for them to see. Children, that's why when your parents say you don't want to do that, they know what they're talking about because they've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and they're trying to keep you from harm. But you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, in other words, it looked just like the rest of the trees. There wasn't a warning sign around this tree. It looked like everything else. It looked well, everything else was fine. What's wrong with this tree? And that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable and to make one wise. She took some of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to, who, to her husband with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? (laughs) That is the first time in history God ever had to ask where man was. Now the the Lord knew where he was, but he needed man to, to think about this. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. This is the first time ever that man was actually what? Afraid of God. I was afraid because I was naked. He had never even had a clue that he was naked. He'd been naked the whole time, y'all. Y'all understand this? Since God made him, he hadn't been wearing any clothes. Some of you little kids are giggling like, what? What? This is how God made it. But all of a sudden, his eyes have been opened. He says, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? And the man being a man starts the blame game, right? He says, the woman 
who you gave to be with me. She gave me some of the, of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. This is that old, what's the old adage that, that if, if one jumps, if they all jump off the, 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 the edge of a cliff and it's a, you know, 100 foot drop, are you going to do it too? How many of you were that kid in, in, in school? Be honest. How many of you, whatever everybody else did, you had to do it? How many of you were the one that jumped first? Yeah. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me. By the way, the woman just learned from the husband, right? And she says, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all livestock and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring and of her descendant, of her offspring. This person that she's, that, that the, that the Lord is speaking of is who? Jesus Christ. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you shall deliver children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, yet you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Lord God said, behold, the woman or the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out with his hand and take fruit also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out in all the east um, and, and all the, the east of the garden of Eden. He stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Father, we ask now. That we would understand <clears throat> that God, you made us in your image and we were not satisfied. And Father, to this very day, we still struggle. Not understanding that you have already made provision. You've given us everything we need in this earth. But yet, Father, we want more. Lord, forgive us where we have failed you. And not being satisfied with what you've given us already. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we see the fall of mankind here. We, we recognize that, that, that Satan came and, and dealt with Eve. And, and ladies, whether you like this or not, you're recognized as the weaker sex. That's the way God made it for this reason. Because man was responsible for guarding his wife. He was responsible for making sure that she understood and made and, and, and was had provision made for her. This was the reality. This was the truth that that God had made it this way. And so Satan comes in to to the woman and the man, though, the Bible says, is where at that time? He's with her. Right. And so she eats first and and then she offers some to her husband and her husband looks at her after he eats after she eats it. She seems to be fine. What's wrong with her? And then the moment that he takes a bite of the fruit, we know immediately, the Bible says, that their eyes were opened. 
they recognized through disobedience that they were no longer fully clothed. They recognized their nakedness. They recognized their need for covering. They never needed a covering until they sinned. There was never a need for anything other than what God had created until they were disobedient. So the fall of mankind did a number of things. One, it was the first time that man realized, I must fear God now. Up until this time, there's been absolute communion. There's been beautiful, beautiful communion between God and man. But now all of a sudden, because of man's disobedience, there's now separation between God and man. And the Bible is very clear here that, that, the, that, that God uh, comes down and, and man recognizes it after they've sowed fig leaves and they hide themselves from God. And God dealt with the heart of man immediately. He asked him, where are you? And he knew that at that moment, the man would have to come to his moment of truth. I have sinned against God. Folks in this room, listen to me. You and I must come to that place where we recognize that we have sinned against God. We have sinned against the Lord. You and I have come against God and we have fallen. We are part of that fallen uh, group of people that are in desperate need of a covering of something to cover our sin. Man made an attempt at covering his sin. He sewed fig leaves together. Let me tell you what a lot of men and women do today. They, first of all, say, I do my best. All right. I do my best. And so because I do my best, I am hoping that God then will recognize and reward me with heaven because I've done my best. Folks, that is not salvation. Others will say, well, I've tried to live by the good book, right? They can't even call it the Bible. They call it the good book. I've done my best to live by the good book. And, and if, as long as I've done my best to live by the good book, then, then I will be able to enter heaven. That's my hope. That's what I hope God will recognize. That I've really tried to live my life by the good book. I, I've done what I can to, to be kind to others and, 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 and to really uh, try to love everybody. I, I'm tolerant of people. I, I really have, have shown good kindness to people. I, I've worked hard in all my life. And, and what we find here is that this is the attitude of a lot of people in our churches. If you ask them, if you died today, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? And the answer that you will get even by people in church is this. Well, I think so. I think that I've lived right. That is our own attempt at covering our sin. Adam covered himself and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves in hopes that God would not recognize their nakedness. But God called them out and made Adam say, well, we were naked and we hid ourselves. God said, how do you know you were naked? Did you eat from the tree of which I told you not to? And immediately Adam does what Adam and you and I do. He began to blame others. The fall of mankind came with a simple act of disobedience. That one moment of disobedience, it it hit us square in the face. It, it, It didn't take much. It was just a simple 
conversation with Satan and, and Satan twisted a few things and, and made Eve begin to question what she had actually been told by Adam. And, and she falls and Adam was there. He knew what he told her. And he watched his wife take a bite. Then he took a bite. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. The world that we live in hates to know its nakedness. It hates to know its sinfulness. Do you realize you cannot watch television anymore without the LGBTQ community being pushed on you? But it's not just that. Listen, it's not just that. You got to stop for a second. If we start looking at that, oh, yeah, that. Listen, in the church itself, we look at the, we look at the television and go, oh, folks, they get permission to do some of the stuff that they do because the church has okayed it. It started years ago when, when the sexual revolution hit the church and, and nothing was done. You and I have to understand that there are struggles out there. And we look at the world and we look at how bad the... Listen, forget the world. Look at the church for a moment. The church is sick. The church is hiding from God. The church is changing what the Bible says. The church is changing what the Bible means. Because the church can't live up to the standards that God set. And so we're trying to change those standards and you can't do it. There, there is a punishment. There's, there's a curse of mankind. And, and let me tell you, that, that curse came from God himself. Like a lot of people look at this and they go, well, you know, God loves everybody. Really? Listen to me, before you buy into that completely, yes, I believe that John 3.16 is very true. Have no struggle with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If that's the only verse you know in the Bible, you probably are not a believer. Because if you read that and, and just say, that's all of the scripture, that's all of the Bible, that's, that, that right there is the gospel, you will miss a whole lot. Because a lot of people say, well, see, God loves everybody, so everybody's going to heaven. Is that true? No, the Bible says that God so loved the world, the sinner, who could not do anything for himself. God so loved the world that the, 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 the lost person, the, the person that was without God, he so loved them that he gave his own son that whosoever, not everyone, but whosoever. You, you understand? How does whosoever begin with me? It, I recognize as Adam did my sin and I confess that sin and I am open with my sin and I receive God's punishment because of my sin. I remember as a child, there were things that I would do knowing, knowing that I was going to get in trouble for it. Anybody remember those days? And it wasn't a matter of if I get caught, correct? Because you knew you were going to get busted. But you wanted to do it anyway because everybody else was doing it. And so you followed along and, and you got, and when you came home, you knew you were going to get in trouble, especially if your mother worked for the school, right? You could do nothing that she did not know about by the time you got home. Or even first or second period. Okay, trust me. She knew about it long before she got before I got home. 
But as soon as my mother would walk in, I was like Adam, and I began to try and blame everyone for what had happened, except for myself. And I could blame whoever wanted to, but guess what? My mama still gave me that punishment. And if she thought it warranted, she let my dad know, and then I got my dad's punishment. And all of you think that going to timeouts abuse. You ain't got a clue. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. There were days I think they enjoyed beating on me. And I don't blame them. The curse of mankind. Man invited God's punishment. You and I, when we disobey, we invite God's punishment. It's real. So God's punishment, well, he deals with the serpent, then he deals with the woman, then he deals with the man. God's punishment for sin is hell. It is eternal death. It is eternal separation from God and for those of us who are fine with our sin and we look at it and we say well but that's that's that. you're reading that in the in the old bible i didn't realize there was a new bible i had no clue that we had rewritten the rules in scripture now the church, a lot of times, loves to talk about the world, right? Remember, I mentioned uh, some, some, some letters a while ago, and a lot of you are going, that's right, that's right. But then when we start talking about the church, we're like, oh, no, 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 let's go back to the world. No, no, no. The church has to deal with their own sin. Because unless we deal with the speck, no, unless we deal with the two-by-four that's in our own eye, how can we then deal with the speck in our brother's eye? I heard a pastor recently say, I don't preach about the world to the church. They already know what's going on there. I preach to the church about the church. And I kind of like that. I kind of like the fact that we need to be aware that, that in the church there are still struggles. There are still people trying to, to hide, to cover up their sin. And one of the ways that we cover up our sin in the church is we point out the world's issues and problems. Folks, the world is what the world is. It's lost. But the church, remember what we learned? The church belongs to God. We are the saints of God. There are issues. There's this curse that's come upon us. So what do we do? Well, we, we really try to keep the Ten Commandments, right? We, we're going to work hard at keeping the Ten Commandments. Who, the, who will admit that today alone you've already broken one of the Ten Commandments? Anybody in here willing to say, yeah, I've already broken one of the Ten Commandments? Some of y'all got your hand. Little man's got his hand raised. We're going to work on that obeying your parents, man. We're going we're gonna to help you out with that, okay? Don't you worry about that. I got it. Being kind to your sister. Sweet little innocent thing. We've all been there, hadn't we? We understand that, that, that there's a struggle. And, and if, I, if I'm just going to try to work my way back into the good graces of God, you can't work your way back into the good graces of God. How many of you realize in your spiritual life, you'll take one giant step forward and two giant steps back sometimes? 
And sometimes you'll take three giant steps forward and one step backwards. And you're like, yes. And then, unfortunately, as Christians, here's what we do. Let's celebrate that success. And we let down our guard for a moment. And the next thing you know, you take one gigantic step backwards. We will never be able to satisfy the punishment of God. So God did something. God's gift to Adam and Eve. God's gift to Adam and Eve is important to us for this reason. He did not tell Adam, you know, Adam, if you'll just work harder, I will bless you. You know, Adam, if, if, if you'll just start loving your wife better, then I'm going to let you back in to fellowship with me. He, he didn't look at Adam and say, you know, Adam, if, if you'll do me a favor... And you will say this many things out loud and, and, and you'll, you'll do all these different things. And then, then, then I will come into your good, you know, you come back into my good graces. No. He looked at Adam and he looked at Eve and he, just as he does at us. And as he looks at us in our sin, he does exactly what John 3.16 says he does. At that moment, at that point, what does he do? He says... For God so loved that sinful world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, let's go back and let's read real quick. God made provision. He gave a gift, but it took the shedding of blood. He comes to to, to man. He deals with him. Then he gives man the punishment. But after he has punished the child, God does something. He takes and he covers man. He takes his own creation. God does this. One of the animals that God had created, he takes. God himself sacrifices this animal. Because the shedding of blood had to take place in order for what? Forgiveness to come. And God then takes and peels the skin back of this animal. And he places that skin upon his two children that he created. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. That's how God creates, by the way. He took dust and what did he do with dust? He formed man. He took the rib from Adam and he did what? He formed Eve. But he clothed them. He gave them what they needed. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. How else could they have made those garments of skin unless he took the life of his own creation? Had that animal done anything deserving of death? No. But he takes and he deals with the heart of the matter. They needed a covering. 
So God took one of his own creation, kills it, skins it, gives it to them. I wonder, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but I wonder if God cleaned the hide first. Because I imagine he would want that moment to be remembered. Yes, here's a covering. But then I think about the goodness of God, and I can imagine that God wanted them to know that he had covered them, so he probably made it good and fresh and right. Why? Because when God does something, he doesn't do it so that we'll remember how horrible we were. He does it so that we'll remember how good he is. So what about God's gift today? What about it? What does it look like for us? What do you and I need? Well, we find it in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood there uh, near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly f- frightened. And, and so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you great news, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Can I get an amen for that? Isn't that good to know? And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. Some of you may read that and go, well, what do I have to do to please God? Folks, he already took care of it. He gave his son. And when the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told. Jesus. Jesus is the gift that God has given. You have not earned Christ. You have not earned salvation. Jesus is the gift. When he told them in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father except by me, he meant exactly what he said. 
want to read something for you that a lot of you will know. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. That's the gift that we've been given. That is the hope of every believer in this room. That Jesus Christ is enough. Those of you who are going to tell me, oh, I'm still trying to do my best. My friend, you are headed straight to hell. For those of you that want to say, well, I have done all I can to live by the good book. My friend, you are headed straight to hell. For all of you that say, well, I've been in church my whole life. My friend, without Jesus, you're headed straight to hell. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Oh, for the sinner, that's us. Jesus' gift, or God's gift to you is his son, Jesus Christ. The question is, have you received him? Do you trust in him? Someone once asked me, do you trust in your church? And I said, no. Well, how can you pastor if you don't trust your church? I said, because I'm not called to trust in my church. I'm called to trust in Christ. I'm called to put my faith in one person. And that is Jesus Christ. And today, at the beginning, as we get ready for Christmas, my prayer is that if you've never done this, you will do it as well. Quit trying and start living. Father, we thank you so much that you love us and that you have given us provision through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that in our sinfulness, you gave us clothing by grace. And that grace is what covers us. That blood of Christ is what covers us from all our sin. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have clothed us in your son. You've clothed us in righteousness that we did not earn, but was given and paid for by the blood of Christ. Father, thank you for the season that we're stepping into as we celebrate the great gift that you gave us through your son. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.